Hi everyone, I'm Asma and I'm happy to welcome you to the PwC Workforce podcast series on preference analytics. This podcast is part of a series tackling some key issues that organizations are facing today on their most important assets, their workforce. We hear a lot nowadays about the employee value proposition. This is usually defined as a set of monetary and non-monetary benefits provided by an employer to its employees in return for the skills, capabilities and contributions that they make to the organization. A good employee value proposition is thus key to attract and retain key talents. For many organizations, however, the package they offer is a set of separate components that they keep building on without a vision for the future. Because of that, employees are often unsure of what exactly the reward package is and if it corresponds to their evolving needs. I'm happy to welcome today Sandra and Bert, two of my colleagues working around reward design, who will provide you with their insights on this topic. Sandra, my first question is for you. Mm-hmm. In your experience, what effective approaches for employers exist to balance employee needs with cost savings? Well, let me start by saying, Asma, that due to the pandemic, the situation has become a bit contradictory. On the one hand, we see that companies put pressure on cost efficiency and in most cases even on cost reduction. But at the same time, we are hearing from our clients that they want to focus on employee well-being in order to maintain employee satisfaction and motivation. In such a dual context, Asma, it is of vital importance that companies make the right decisions. They should provide their employees with the right resources and with the correct reward elements, which can be financial, non-financial, even intangible. But at the same time, companies should spend their reward budget in the most efficient way. Now, measuring the preferences for certain reward elements and providing, to the extent that it's possible, benefits having a high perceived value may reduce some of the stress and uncertainty that is unfortunately present under the workforce today. At the same time, it is also important to realize that preferences and the needs of employees have changed over the past years, and they will likely continue to do so. The way we have worked changed for many of us, and and it will continue to evolve. Employers and also employees have been strongly disrupted. So now it is a time to sit back and to think about what your strategy will be post-COVID and then act to get things right. The future reward models are likely to be subject to change and, and we all may need to reflect on how money will be valued and how money will be spent. While certain forms of mobility may in the future be less valued, the importance of an additional health coverage, for example, is is likely to increase. You will agree with us, Asma, that providing benefits where the cost is higher than the perceived value is a waste of money. Yes. Thank you, Sandra. Now, let's deep dive a bit more about the employee preference analytics. But... How does this differ from the more conventional surveys? 
Well, Asma, the use of artif artificial intelligence alongside the information gathering itself is new in this field. It actually improves the data quality and the outcome in terms of preference profiles. Please let me explain this in further detail. In the first part of these new generation surveys, every participant will be invited to rank reward elements based on their individual preferences. Based on the answers provided, we see solutions that generate in real time tailored trade-offs with the help of AI. This forces participants to disclose their real preferences by preventing them, for example, from preferring each reward element the most. The use of more than 400 algorithms provides significantly higher data quality compared to conventional surveys. Moreover, that's new as well, the technology is able to monetize those preferences, meaning it is able to calculate the perceived value, as well as model and compare various scenarios for optimizing total reward schemes. By doing so, it allows HR and finance to align better. Indeed, by linking and measuring the benefit preferences to the perceived cost, the company can identify those benefit elements that have real value in the eyes of the employees. The data-driven estimations and analysis of the total reward schemes, all supported by data and underlying algorithms, can serve for cost reduction, but as well for employer branding and retention purposes, while also boosting the employer brand attractiveness. Thank you, Bart. I have the feeling that it is like a 2.0 survey, and it is really interesting to see how technology and our expertise are combined. Now, a bit of curiosity. I guess that sometimes you run across results where employees prefer something else to what they currently have, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sandra, can you expand on this, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, different generations being active on the work floor, it will not come as a surprise that a one-size-fits-all reward package does no longer work. Employee preferences, as I told you, evolve over time. And there are groups of employees who may prefer something different. The preference analytics enables employers, for example, to compose reward packages by grouping employees with a similar preference. Doing so creates the opportunity to make a reward program that is even more tailored than a classic flexible reward scheme. The analytics allow for a holistic approach that goes beyond classic pay and benefits. Also, non-financials, think of the physical work environment, work-life balance, personal and professional development, all this can also be put into the equation. And by doing so, employers can redesign the reward model and create future-proof reward packages that are based on preferences. The employer can do this with confidence, Asma, as the preferences are based on a data-driven methodology. Yes, the preference analytics. Okay, and currently, Bart, do you see more need for analytics as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, Asma, the short answer is yes. <laughs> in, in, in these challenging times, we, we notice that for some, the future may seem more uncertain than ever, and there's a clear need to help employers to look ahead. Providing data-driven guidance and insights helps clearing the fog to create the best possible reward packages now and into the future. Data analytics helps employers to shed light on the rewards offering and be attractive in the market. 
Actually, by putting employer first and taking into account and even safeguarding their preference to a maximum extent, while considering cost reduction scenarios due to the crisis, for example, by eliminating undervalued reward elements, is important. We may not forget that although perhaps temporarily less feasible, the war for talent is still going on. Note that a year ago, many organizations were concerned about the availability of key skills and were rethinking how they could change their reward practices in order to be an attractive employer. Although the current crisis has accelerated certain changes, such as remote working, the underlying availability of key skills and the labor market have not domestically changed. Therefore, it is important that employers can safeguard their past efforts in terms of employer branding, while remaining realistic and agile enough to perform some smart cost cutting to survive. On the one hand, cut costs in, in, in costs in reward where it hurts employees' preference the least on the other hand. Okay, it is then a question of finding the right balance, I guess. Thank you, Bart. Another point I wanted to discuss with you both was about the market study which PwC Belgium conducted last year to gain insight into what Gen Y and Gen Z are looking for and expect from their current and future employers. Sandra and Bart, could you share why this matters and what are the key takeaways from this study? Yes, we have conducted a study on the workforce preference last year to gain more insight into the preferences of the next generation of employees, the so-called millennials and Generation Z, as these are the people entering the labor market now with a new mindset and with different expectations. By focusing on the Generation Y and Z already now, employers can start changing their processes and making their employee value proposition attractive to future employees in a proactive rather than in a reactive way. Via the survey, we've learned, Asma, that the most important driver for job commitment is actually the job itself. The results of the study clearly show that the opportunity to work on a challenging and an interesting task is the number one driver for this generation. This statement leads to the conclusion that now is the time to think about making jobs more interesting. Employers could, for example, consider the possibility of a kind of hybrid workforce where certain tasks are automated, but the role themselves still require human workers. Such a system would mean that many jobs will continue to exist, but in a different and often in a more attractive shape. Also note, Asma, that the future workforce seems not to limit himself to the Belgian labor market. They also look into the international pool of interesting job opportunities. And yes, they are really willing to move to access them. That's right, Sandra. And in addition, access to a flexible workplace and flexible work hours emerge as the second most important element for job preferences in the overall study sample. This shows that non-financial factors play an important role in motivating the workforce of the future. Employers could therefore consider boosting motivation and making roles more attractive by implementing new approaches to work, like for example, using office hubs and function-based facilities like community centers. The third most important influencer in terms of employment preference was the availability of business and technical skills training. 
In order to remain attractive, employers will thus need to provide retraining programs and systems for closing the skill gaps for their employees. Moreover, aligning the right capabilities with the right skill set in the right place at the right time is crucial for employers anyhow. Yes, Bart, and you will also remember that we saw that the base salary is actually not ranked in the top three of most important factors in terms of job preference. This is also valid, by the way, for up-to-date technology. The young workforce seems to consider future-proof IT tools as a given, and they can even not imagine that state-of-the-art technology would not be provided by their employer. So knowing the preferences of your workforce is really important, Asma, as it will enable you to come up with an employee value proposition that is not only compatible with the needs of your workforce, but that is moreover in line with your budget. So I would say this is a real win. Thank you very much, Sandra and Bart, for sharing your insights on employee preference analytics. I agree. As you said, providing data-driven guidance and insights help to clear the fog and support employers in creating the best possible workplace now and into the future. It sounds like the preference analytics tool really provides useful insights and helps employers in getting the holy grail of cost savings combined with employee satisfaction and individual preferences. Thank you again, Sandra and Bart. Thanks to all the listeners. Stay tuned on the different platforms and our website for the next edition. Wishing you a nice day. Goodbye.